You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly, and their dog Ninja. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 78 of Hippo Horror Stories. I'm Jerry and I'm joined by my wife Tracy. What'd you have to say like that for? Like what? Like uh, my wife Tracy. Uh, I don't Uh, think, once again, taken out of context. Like, oh, I'm joined by my lovely wife Tracy. Isn't she the sweetest thing? Okay, well, that's not what happened, but... I know it's not what happened. You heard something completely different than I did, but... (laughs) Anyway, thank you to all of our military and civil servants all around the world, no matter what country you support. We appreciate you guys and love you so much. Prayers for everybody. Absolutely. We got a bunch of cool stuff to talk about. We have a very um, special love story tonight. Is it about us? It's not about us. It's a special love story. And... Damn it. I'm ready to jump into this story. Are you ready for this story, Tracy? I'm so ready, darling. I've actually had this on the list to do for probably a year. And for some reason, I just didn't do it because it's not a paranormal story. And I didn't know how most people would react. But as we've seen as time has went on, we've done a couple of stories that weren't necessarily paranormal, like the H.H. Holmes and... The Lizzie Borden had a little bit in there, but we've done a little bit of true crime and stuff, and you guys like it, and we've always always promised we'll do some stuff like this if it's creepy enough. And this definitely has an element of creepy that's off the scales. So I thought it would be a fun story to do, and some of you will probably know this story. Uh, I'm going to put a different twist on it, and that's, as usual, when I do a story that a lot of people have done, I try to find a way to make it different, and when I do that, and or find that that one thing or a couple of things. That's when it's time for us to actually do the, sh- the show on it. Okay. And I think we've done this with this one. I think you're going to hear some things that are going to be different than you've probably heard in the past. And well, not for you because you haven't heard any of it. I know, I never do. <laughs> so let's jump right into it. We're going to talk about Carl Tanzler, and Carl Tanzler has another famous name that most people know him by, Count von Kossel. Okay. What you're going to find out is he's not a con- not a count by any means. Okay, this he's is not some- a castle either. No, he's not a castle either. He's, a castle. he's he may be a castle, and that's debatable. We'll find out. So he was born in February eighth in 1877 in Dresden, Germany. Nobody really knows his real birth name. George Carl Tanzler is what's on his marriage certificate in Germany. His U.S. citizenship papers. List Carl Tanzler von Kossel. And that came at a later time. Now, the hospital we're going to get into where he actually worked in Key West, he signed several papers as Count. 
Mm, so you could see there's all kinds of variants there. Yeah, I don't know how he keeps up with all his different names. As I said, there's no actual proof at all that he is related to any kind of royalty, especially in Germany where he was from. Now, in 1920, he married a woman by the name of Doris Ann Schaefer. He had two kids with her, Aisha Tanzler and Crystal Tanzler. The youngest, uh, which was Crystal, actually died from diphtheria. What's diphtheria? It's um, that famous disease by that band, you know, I dip, you dip, diphtheria. Oh. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't, don't know, know what, what it is. I don't know what diphtheria is. Oh, it's just terrible, though. No, it's just a disease that a lot of people died yeah. from back then. Obviously, the death caused um, some problems, just because anytime you lose a child. Of course, yeah. And it really strained their relationship as far as him and his wife. And Von Kossel decided that he was going to leave his family because he wanted to visit India and Australia. So that's, he's a nice guy. I'm just going to leave the family. It's strained. We've lost a daughter, and I'm going to leave my wife and other daughter behind and go visit Australia and India. They're very nice places. I know, but I don't understand why. I mean, I understand that it's it's a very hurtful thing, and it's it rips your heart out. I get it, because it's a losing kid. But I don't understand why they had to split up or why he left her. It's not like she did anything. It's just something that happened. You would think that would bring them closer. Well... Unfortunately, in a lot of situations where a child is lost, the parents end up divorced or something of that nature because I think it's I think it's different ways to look at it. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, we we know some people who've lost children yeah. and it has brought them closer together. Mm-hmm. But in other instances, I think the grieving process is maybe uh, especially with young children, I think maybe one maybe grieves a little harder. Mm-hmm. than the other and then the other uh, i mean i guess in the situation what i'm trying to say is if you were taking it really extra hard and you saw that your spouse wouldn't taking it as mm-hmm. hard that might cause some uh I animosity well i get it you but know? they have their own way of dealing with it right but some people don't look at it that way some people some people think well you obviously don't care as much yeah. as i do and it causes mm-hmm. animosity in a relationship and, yeah. well, and that's what that happens now, or or maybe the other spouse feels like that you're grieving way too hard and you know it's you know it's been x amount of time you got to move on and you're not willing to move on and that causes problems there's everybody deals with things different but i know a lot of times with families that lose a child it usually ends up straining the marriage to the point where somebody ends up leaving oh that's very sad yep so he actually became interested in electrical equipment when he was over in australia and he bought some land in australia and he began experimenting this is going to be the first signs that we uh, see that that he thinks he can accomplish stuff uh, scientifically that he may or may not really be able to accomplish, but at least he thinks he can. Now, by this time, the First World War actually had broken out, and because he was a German citizen, the British military arrested him in Australia because everybody that was German during that World War, they felt like was a possibility to be a traitor or oh. a possibility to be... Uh, you know, the enemy. And he spent several years actually in prison in Australia. And he tried to escape several different times. And he actually would have escaped on one occasion, but a fellow prisoner kind of snitched on him and to just to get the extra uh, war rations mm-hmm. that they had. So he got nabbed. He eventually did get out after the war was over. He went to Holland and actually found out that his mom was still alive. And that was exciting to him because... 
after being in war, you know, in jail for years, you don't know if your elderly parents are alive, not alive. Yeah. So you just lose, t- lose touch with everybody. And he finds out she was alive. So he started taking care of her. Then he decided to travel to America at this point in time. The U.S. seemed like a, a great place to get a fresh start to him. He was now a trained radiologist, in the, and that field was something fairly new to have experts in at the time. Uh-huh. So for him to be able to come over to U.S., they welcomed him with open arms because they needed somebody with right. his type of experience. In 1926, Count Carl von Kossel immigrated to the U.S. and actually reunited with his wife and daughter, Aisha. So he brought them, when he moved to the U.S., he actually got them and brought them back over. And she took him back. Well, I'm just, you're looking at it a lot earlier time. Things were looked at different back then. Not saying Goodness. it was right or wrong, but, yeah, you know. No. You uh, know, who knows what happened in that time in between. All right. So they moved to a place called Zephyr Hills, Florida, and... They had, to, I think, they stopped in Cuba for a little bit and then moved on to Florida, so they didn't just come straight to the U.S. In 1927, he once again deserted his family and took a job at the U.S. Marine Hospital in Key West, Florida, under the name of Carl von Kossel. So the um, reuniting in 1926 didn't last long because in 1927 he left them again. See what a douche. And now they're over here in the United States where they don't have any friends, family, or nothing. Mm-hmm. And all their family's over in Germany. Well, the whole thing of him going to Key West and being at that hospital is the area of Key West was um, overran with people with TB, mm-hmm. uh, tuberculosis. That was no cure back then. And like I said, this area, it was just like all over the place. And, you know, when you got it, unfortunately, you died. That's there was you just very few people got TB and lived to to, uh, get rid of it. So he felt that he could actually find a cure even years before that, you know, because in Australia, that's kind of stuff he was experimenting with when Mm -hmm. I said he was into all the the uh, mechanic and experiments and stuff like that. He was trying to find cures for stuff, not necessarily TB, but, you know, all kinds of different stuff. So he did think that there was ways with this stuff to be able to find cures for all kinds of medical ailments. Now, Carl was also a visionary of another sort. Because when he was 10 years old, he said that a relative of his, an actual aunt, her name was Anna Constantina von Kossel. Now, this is where the Von Kossel comes from. How are you going to learn how to spell that in kindergarten? I don't know That's that they necessarily had kindergarten name. at that time. But he says that Anna Constantina Von Kossel, a distant aunt of his, visited him in a dream. And she showed him an image of what his uh, soulmate, we'll mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. should look like. Beautiful. Black-haired, exotic young lady. That's that's who he... That's one of the reasons why his whole uh, time with his wife, both times, didn't work out. He always had in his mind mm-hmm. that he was going to meet this lady somewhere down the line. So his wife wouldn't really his soulmate. She was just there, as oh, far as he was concerned. Yeah, he just wasn't feeling it. Right. So he had this vision in his, in his mind his entire life. Well, then, in April... Uh, 22nd of 1930, 
beautiful young lady by the name of Elena Hoyos walked into the hospital that he was actually working at. Now, he knew from the minute that he saw her that this was a young lady that his aunt had showed him in his dreams when he was 10 years old. Oh, man. So let's talk about Elena, because in the stories that you hear about Von Kossel, you never really hear about Elena. So I wanted to give her... Her props. Her props, I guess, more or less. She was a beautiful year old, 21-year-old Cuban-American, and she was known in the area for her beauty. I mean, that's she was like, everybody knew who she was because of how beautiful she was. Now, normally, she would have a red rose in her hair when, when you saw her. She loved to dance, and she would. It was a regular, like all these clubs and uh, the social events that they would have around there. Elena's father actually ran one of the biggest cigar uh, factories mm-hmm. or plants in Florida, and they had the best cigars available. They were the closest you could buy to actual Cuban cigars, and they, he was from Cuba, so he yeah. knew the process, and that's the place you get it. You didn't have to go to Cuba to be able to get them because he was making them right there. But by the 1930s, Americans were kind of starting to switch to cigarettes. Cigars wasn't as big a deal. Cigarettes were starting to become more popular. So his business was really struggling at Mm. this point in time. Now, the other problem was that cigar factories were like breeding grounds for TB because everybody worked so close to each other. If somebody got it, they just kept passing it right along because you had so many people all crammed into a little building. Oh, darn. So it had nothing to do with the actual cigars or the tobacco or any of that. It's just with the fact that that everybody was just basically just crammed in Mm. there. So when one person got it, I mean, it's like like getting a cold or something else. Now, Lena came to the hospital because she had a persistent cough and her mother had pretty much begged her to go in there and be seen. Well, Von Kossel took some blood, or it wasn't actually Von Kossel, he was doing some other stuff, but some blood was taken. And Von Kossel, though, pretty much knew because he had seen it so much with her signs, it was almost imminent that she had TB. Oh, dang. The girl that he was supposed yeah, to be with. his soulmate. Mm-hmm. So his soulmate actually had an incurable disease. So you could imagine how that made him feel. That wasn't the only problem. He also noticed on her paperwork that she was listed as Mrs. So she was married. Mm-hmm. And he confirmed after all the tests that she had TB and he was devastated. Elena was devastated. You can imagine being a 21-year-old girl, your whole life's in front of you, and you yeah. realize you've got this disease that nobody makes it from. So he was way older than her then. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was like 50-ish. Oh. Yeah. So Carl actually convinced her, though, that he could cure her based on nothing but his, mm-hmm. I think I can do this. So, you know, why wouldn't she believe him? I mean, this guy's 50 years old. He's smart. He says he's got nine degrees, mm-hmm. which he didn't. He didn't have any of these degrees. But over, he told everybody at the hospital, and I don't know, I guess they didn't check yeah. back then, but he had all these different degrees in medicine and college. He didn't have any degrees. But she thinks he's, you know, he's 50 years old. He's smart. He seems distinguished. He's He's got a lot of money at this point. He's he's gathered and, and been able to get a significant fortune at this point in time of his life. So he's very good about that. And... You know, he just comes across as somebody you could trust. And he's a count. I mean, why wouldn't she trust him? Mm-hmm. So he decided that he was going to um, start working on her at home, like house calls. Mm, that so, sounds a little, a little creepy. Well, creepy just 
don't even start. But he goes and he like he takes the X-ray machine from the hospital without even asking and takes it to her house <laughs> to start doing some tests and stuff like that on her. And you know he's he says he's had all this extensive training over in Europe on on this stuff. So they're one hundred percent bought in. Her family is like welcoming welcoming him in, like he's part of their family. Yeah. So he goes over to the house the first time and. You know, he's asking the in general questions, you know, well, how about this and what's going on? And he's eating with them. So then he finds the time to say, oh, and where is your husband? And then she lets him know that uh, her husband, she had a miscarriage and her husband actually held her responsible and left her. So she's married, but But he's nowhere nowhere around. Well, I don't understand these men. They suck. Yeah. Yeah. Let's fast forward a little bit. October 25th, 1931. So we're a little over a year. Alina died Aww. of TB. What about her baby? What oh, baby? she miscarried. Never mind. No. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. I was thinking. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I had the baby on my brain. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. So Carl couldn't save his one true love. Loser. Now, let's keep in mind, though. She did not see Carl as a love interest at in all. Anyway, he was a doctor trying to help yeah. her. But as he was coming to the house with doing all these treatments and stuff on her, he used this, this opportunity to bring her lavish gifts. He brought her jewelry. He would bring her flowers. He treated her like a girlfriend, and she just thought of him as a doctor. Right. So there was never any anywhere close to a relationship but that involved. was nice at the end of her days that he was treating her like that, even it, though nothing was going to ever happen. It was, but it was all for the wrong intentions because he wasn't looking at it like that. So she passes away. Elena's family couldn't afford a funeral, or at least a proper one. So Von Kossel stepped up to the plate and said, I'll take care of it. Okay, and he paid. Nice. he paid for a funeral. And, you know... After the funeral thing, he asked, hey, can I build a mausoleum? I, re- I want to do something really nice for her. Well, that's nice. Now, his family, her family thought it was a little odd. odd. Right, I'm sure. But in their heads, you know, he's just been over a year doing everything he can to try to save her. And if he's got it, then maybe he was just that in-depth to her that he yeah. wanted to just make sure that she had everything great. So he built this mausoleum shortly after. I think it was some, I've read a thousand different stories on this and each one's a little bit different from it. The best I can understand was it was about six months from the time she passed away to when they actually had the mausoleum built. Well, that was quick. Now this was no ordinary mausoleum though. It had electricity. What? It, it she had, can watch TV? It, well, I don't know that that's what she used it for. <laughs> she had a phone. On the outside and the inside. Okay, what was the purpose of that? Well, so of course, so he could pick up the phone and talk to her. Come on. Okay. okay exactly. So you see where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. She was put in a special casket that had like formaldehyde in it. Now, her family didn't know this. But this casket that they put her in when they put her in his mausoleum it had formaldehyde and stuff in it to slow down the uh, decomposition of her body. And if you think that's strange, there's a good reason for that. Yeah, but wait, how, didn't the parents realize that when no, they went to visit no, her? No, they, well, no, they didn't because 
they couldn't get inside. They just went to the mausoleum. There was no need for them to go inside of it. Oh. So, and in case you're unfamiliar with what a mausoleum is, it's basically just a really fancy little small building that your body's kept in so you're not buried underground. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. Well, that's not going to happen. That's expensive. You're getting cremated and buried in the backyard. You don't even love me. I do, but no, you're not going to know any different. Hopefully, I will know. <laughs> so, so he he's got this special casket. He's got this set up, but he's also got something that the family doesn't realize he has a spare key to the mausoleum. So he does have the ability to get in and out of this mausoleum, mm-hmm. where the family does not. So he visits this grave every night for almost two years. Think about that. Yeah. He has spent so much time at this mausoleum and stuff. Sometimes go in there and not come out for days. What? That's sick. Over this period of two years, he lost his job at the hospital because he wasn't showing up for work enough. So she stayed like that for two years? In there? Mm-hmm. Like, like not decomposing? Well, she was decomposing. Oh, just but not at not... the rate that oh. some people would. Oh, gosh. So he actually claimed that he was talking to her on the phone. Mm-hmm. He also later said that Elena would visit him almost nightly in a white wedding dress. She would sing to him and promise him eternal love, even though she was dead. But, you know, that's what Man, he said. he really had it for her, didn't he? You have no idea. April of 1933, Von Kossel took a red wagon up to the crypt. He loaded the body up and he took her to an abandoned airplane. That's what I said. An abandoned airplane. Okay. little small plane outside of his house that he was going to use as a makeshift laboratory. I said it's outside of his house, but actually he had a hangar. That he had bought out by the beach. So it wasn't really right outside of his house. Mm-hmm. But this thing looks like an airplane that you would see from the 30s. This His intentions was to get this plane going and fly it. And this was just like another one of his little things that he, he would have all these great ideas and then never come through with them. Mm-hmm. So he's got this basically this plane that's never going to get off the ground. So he decides he's going to take her there and use it as a makeshift laboratory. He claims... That he was doing what Elena wanted him to do. What was that? Well, (laughs) she had asked him several times to take her home so, you know, their love could be complete. At least that's what he thought. That's what she was telling him. Because keep in mind, once again, uh, she's dead. He said that she sang a Spanish love song to him. It was called La Boda Negra. And that translates into The Black Wedding. Mm Mm-hmm. The song actually is basically about a man who stole his fiance's dead body, brought her home, laid her on a bed of roses, and then married her right before he committed suicide. It's a lovely song. Mm. But he says that's what she was singing to him mm-hmm. on a regular basis. So, well, of course, that only makes sense that he should steal her body and take her home. So he gets her back to this airplane slash laboratory and And he went to work on her. He's putting her body back together. Because by now, she's been dead for two years. Even with slowing down to decomposition, you're going to have bones falling apart. You're going to have things 
because there's no cartilage holding, holding the bones together and all that stuff. So what does he do? He starts putting her bones back together with piano wire and coat hangers. Oh. He wouldn't be able to do that today because you can't even find a wire coat hanger these days. Everything's those plastic ones. That's true. Can you imagine trying to put it together with a plastic one? It no. wouldn't work. So he's using that. He put glass eyes in her skull because you know there's no eyeballs by this point. Yeah. He even said... Like when he was carrying her in the, in the little red wagon. This is like a little kid's red wagon that you would normally see. He carried her through town like that. And he even said at one point in time he lost his balance and it fell over. Nobody noticed up. that? It was a nighttime. I, oh, my You would gosh. think somebody noticed this it. This guy is cray-cray. <laughs> so he put these glass eyes in and uh, decomposition of flesh? Wow. No problem. He stuffed her with scented rags. He opened her body up. And he stuffed scented rags in there because you know you can't have the chest and the stuff yeah. all just collapsing and the stomach collapsing. You gotta, you know, she's eventually going to be alive again. He thinks at some right. point in time. So he stuffs these scented rags inside of her, and he carefully removed any fabric or anything that was stuck to her skin because you know you got clothes on when you get buried and that stuff is kind of becoming one. Yeah. But he was he carefully removed that, and then he would take this silky, really thin silky fabric. He would dip it in mortician's wax and plaster of Paris, and then he would just like go over top of her and make new skin. Oh my God. So he's basically molding her body oh, out of this, dang. you know. Now, as her hair would fall out, and it inevitably would. Well, I he, thought your hair grew. That's a false. That's because you're. That false? Yeah, your skin shrinks and it makes it look like your Got nails and hair. hair. Yeah. Oh. And your nails. People yeah. say your nails grow too, but they don't. It's just your skin recedes back and makes it look more. Sorry. But her hair fell out and he decided that he was going to replace it with a wig made of her own hair. Well, how did he get that hair? Her mom gave it to him years before, before she died, where they had cut Elena's hair before she died. And he had asked her mom for it. I guess he had this plan. Oh, it sounds like he did. So he took the hair that was actually hers and made it into a wig and fashioned it on her. Now, people already thought that this guy was was cuckoo to begin with. The fact that he would be up all night playing the piano, uh, he was singing Spanish love songs, that didn't really seem strange to the neighbors at this point because they already thought he was cuckoo. Yeah. And uh, so this just, you know, continued for a long period of time of him doing all this stuff Mm -hmm. behind the scenes because nobody called him out on it. Now, he would put gloves on her hand to help keep her hands in place yeah and uh, he put uh, a, a nice little dress on her and for the most part elena never actually left their bed that's what i said she never left their bed <laughs> oh good great her <laughs> i bet she had horrible morning breath <laughs> i guess she didn't so she wouldn't lie no the bed was actually specially created to um, preserve her essence, we will say. Because he put a small lip all the way around the bed. And this would capture any juices that might leak from her rotting body. How can she still have juices? Well, formaldehyde and all that stuff, that's oh, it slowed geez, it down. Oh, jeez, this dude is getting on my nerves. Well, Carl had hoped that he could actually create a perfume of her scent, so that <sighs> was the goal, as you can imagine. 
he would actually go to the store and he would buy perfumes and women's clothing and would sometimes try to make his own perfume. He used perfumes, candles, and disinfectants and preserving agents to kind of mask the smell of the rotting corpse. Oh, my God. It's a very so it's a very pungent smell, I can imagine. Oh, I imagine so. I, had, I mean, I don't even know how he, he was even to deal with it, even though he's sick. Well, that's his girl. <laughs> I mean, hey, honey, you got a little rank here. So rumor actually started around town several years back about, you know, why did this man come to the mausoleum constantly? I mean, we've seen him every night. Mm-hmm. Key West is a small town. Yeah. You know, at this, at this time. So they see this guy every night for two years, and then he just quit coming. Oh. And why was he buying perfume and women's clothing? So people started putting it together? Yeah, they started kind of thinking something's wrong. <laughs> now, kids would actually say that they had, they had went by his house, and they would see him dancing with a life-size doll. Because that's what they saw. Man, he must have really put her together good with that wires and stuff. One of the rumors actually said that he would actually take the doll out on boat rides, like at nighttime, because oh he's right gosh. there by the by the water. He's got some big kahunas, that's all I can say. Well, Elena's sister, Florinda, actually started hearing some of these rumors, and she became concerned, as you could imagine. In October 1940, her sister, Florinda, actually came to visit Von Kossel. Keep in mind, this is nine years after her sister has died. Oh, wow. She demanded that Von Kossel take her to the mausoleum and show her Elena's body. Von Kossel told her that that would not be necessary because Elena was there at his house. <gasps> he did not. He did. He did not. He led her to the second floor bedroom where she was immediately met with the uh, stench of death. Oh, my Lord. She saw what looked like a giant porcelain doll laying on the bed um there was a rack of perfume and lit lit uh scented candles to cover up the smell she immediately screamed she left and called the authorities the authorities show up von Kossel was arrested and the body was taken to have an autopsy done oh my the God. police did not feel like this was a body they thought this was a doll but they took it anyway for the autopsy Von Kossel was actually arrested just because, and they confirmed that it was Elena. So they just wanted to be, you know, yeah. be safe, arresting. But they did confirm during the autopsy that this was Elena. This was her sister's body. So they decide with Von Kossel, the first thing they're going to do is, let's see if he's competent to stand trial. Oddly enough... <laughs> They tested that he was competent enough to stand trial. Wow, that that guy. My gosh. The charge that they had, though, because keep in mind, what, what crime was actually committed here? What do you mean? I mean, he didn't... I'm he didn't. sure grave, grave robbers is a, a, a crime. Well, the charge they actually gave him was wantingly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. That was his charge. That was it. That was his charge. Well, what else are you going to charge him with? Well, I mean, that's you. That's under the grave robbery thing. That's the same thing that would be if he was robbed a grave. I mean, can you imagine walking up there and seeing your sister in the bed like that? <laughs> no, especially with the way she looked. And we're going to be posting pictures because if you haven't seen these pictures, it's very disturbing. But I got oh, a bunch man. of pictures that I'm going to post. 
I'll post them on the Facebook page and in the group. So October 9th, 1940, the trial is held. The case was actually thrown out because he had passed the statute of limitations. So the statute of limitations had ran out. That is some bull crap. <laughs> he had this corpse in his house for seven years. And he's just going to walk out. This case had become a huge news story at this point, as you could imagine. So believe it or not, uh, lots of people actually sided with Von Kossel. They actually felt like that this was weird, but an awesome love story. He was a hopeless romantic. So much so that he would do anything to be with the woman that he loved, even after death. Would you do all that for me? Uh, I just told you I was going to cremate you and bury you in the backyard. You better not cremate me. That'll hurt. <laughs> so because all of this attention, Elena's body was actually taken to the Lopez Funeral Home. Lopez Funeral Home had been there forever. Mm-hmm. It's like the big funeral home at the time mm-hmm. down there. Now, this was the same funeral home that she was at nine years earlier. But at that funeral, there was less than 100 people that actually attended. Her body now was actually put on display, and they charged a dime for people to come see her. They had, like, schools were taking uh, field trips and stuff there to see this body. So you mean the body. body that he created? Yeah. The, the, what? Well, I mean, it's still her body. It's just got a bunch of well, stuff Well, I know, on it. but why would they do that? Because between, this, this well, poor lady is never going to get any rest. Exactly. So even, even after she passed, she still didn't get any kind of rest, even after they got her body back. But they said between 6,500 and 8,000 people paid to see her. That's not very much money if it's a dime. Is that a lot of money? Uh, it is back in, you know, 1940. That's that's so terrible. My goodness. So she was actually, this time, <laughs> buried in Key West Cemetery. Same cemetery, but she was in an unmarked grave. Only two people knew where she was buried. Why? Because they didn't want Von Castle going and digging her back up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I got a question with that, and it was actually brought up today by somebody else when I was telling them the story. It's an unmarked grave, but... It's a, it's a new grave. You can tell when a new grave has been dug. I mean, mm-hmm. how hard would it have been to find if it was still on the premises? Mm-hmm. It's not like there's that many new graves. I mean, you could take your spot of a couple yeah. and figure it out. But anyway, so even though it was unmarked, you should still be able to figure it out if you're in there quick. And he's released from jail, so what would keep him? Mm-hmm. So Von Consul became somewhat of a celebrity during this whole thing for being a hopeless romantic, if that makes any sense at all. That makes no sense to me. It turns out that Von Kossel was not only a hopeless romantic, uh, he was a very sick man. Because during the examination of the body, it was discovered that he had inserted a paper tube into her lady part area. In her JJ. Yes. Making it possible for them to have intercourse. <gasps> Ew! <laughs> oh my gosh! Part of his daily duties was to clean out the tube. So they could be ready for their next night's adventure. What, his clean out his jizz? Will you stop it? This is well, a family I'm being show. Serious. What else is he going to clean out? Bird poop? <laughs> <laughs> That's just so disturbing. It's, it's not like he's going into the bedroom and chasing cardinals out of there, sparrows. Oh my God. So, anyway, <laughs> the show this, I don't know how this guy was proven competent to begin with. Because at the trial, he said he was going to take Elena high into the stratosphere 
uh, so that the radiation from outer space could actually penetrate her tissue and restore life um, to bring her back to, you know, form. I mean, I'm just, I'm just over this dude. I could imagine her coming back to life and be like, "That was all these rags stuffed to me for." Yeah, and this is probably a dumb question. What's but this paper tube? She had TB. I mean, does that just go away when you die? Well, I don't know, but I mean, he dealt with people with TB all the time, so well, uh, I guess some true. people are more susceptible to it than others. But Carl, Carl actually wrote. He wrote some memoirs, and we're going to talk about that. But he actually said in his memoirs that she did come back to life. For a brief bit, and uh, she tried to get up, and, and he had to remind her to slow down because, you know, she'd been dead for a long time. That is not true. That's what he says. He wrote, well, we'll get into it. The ballsiest move, though, ever, I'll give him this, is when he won a trial and he wasn't convicted, he asked if he could have her body back. <laughs> Obviously, that probably just didn't go over well, but after the trial, he moved to... uh Pasco County, California, or Florida. What the hell I get California at? I don't know. Pasco County, Florida. In 1944, he wrote an autobiography. This autobiography, if if you go on YouTube and look up Carl, Carl Von Kossel, there is somebody that's reading this autobiography. It's this craziest stuff you will ever listen to in your life. You will hear him, in his own words, talk about, going to her house and asking about her husband and all this, everything that you're hearing basically for me, he says right in his autobiography, he believed every bit of this, every bit of it. Yeah. So his wife, uh, not the dead one, the one that actually he was with before, she supported him through this whole thing, believe it or okay, not. Okay, now she's just stupid. <laughs> I'm over her too. He even got his U.S. citizenship after this, but old habits die hard. Not that that makes a bit of difference to him. He was still so enamored with Elena that he made a plaster death mask of her face. This was a mold that was actually taken um, of her face while she was still alive. He placed it on a life-size doll, and he was found dead in 1952, a month after he had passed away on the floor of his house, apartment, whatever. And he was found in the floor holding on to his homemade Elena. Thank God. Good riddance. <laughs> so, what do you think about that story? Honestly, I don't I don't really know what to think. I mean, what a sicko he was. I guess if you love somebody enough, you're willing to do whatever it takes to stay around them longer, but that's just a I little... I think that's a whole different version of whatever it takes. Yeah, I mean... That, I mean... I mean, I just, I don't know. It just freaks me out. And I feel, feel so bad for him because he was sick. He was sick. He was definitely sick. I just, I mean, who the hell does that stuff? Who does that? <laughs> I want to talk about some rumors because remember when we started the show, I told you that I probably will have a little bit different twist and say some stuff mm -hmm. than other people. But there's, I, I've heard a bunch of, the, doing this research, I found a bunch of stuff that's just not accurate, not by any means. So I thought that I would touch on some of the stuff that's not accurate. Like, for example, um, he, supposedly, well, I'm going to start at the beginning. Let's go back to how this, a lot of people, a lot of the stuff that I heard is kind of the way that it goes, okay? But supposedly, he was found, like, for example, let's go back to 
when he first met her. And then she dies and he gets the body. Now, that much is all pretty much accurate. But I told you people were having their suspicions. Kids were seeing him. Mm-hmm. What people were saying and what some people said anyway was that he was actually being a small town in, in Key West. He was trying to shut people up. As they would find out the secret, he wanted to shut them up. So what he would do was actually buy people brand new cars because he had money. And like if people saw him dancing with her and they approached him with it, he would buy them off and just basically buy them a 1948 uh, Ford. So it was the Ford bottle 1948. He would buy them the car and that would shut them up. And the next thing you know, it's like there's several of these cars all over Key West, which means these people were just shutting him up. And so what supposedly happened is after she died and he got the trial, they said that they were going to actually bury her, cut her up. They wanted Elena cut up in three different pieces and buried in three different places. Oh my goodness. To make sure that that never happened again. And so then you go back to, um, I told you he had the, the, the death mask. Yeah. So after the trial and, and everybody's talking about he's got this doll that's Elena he was found with. When he died, the, the rumor was that he was found naked on top of this doll. And then also that he wanted, uh, he had in his will to be buried with this doll. None of those are true. I was going to say, he was still a horn dog all the way to the end, wasn't he? <laughs> well, the story that I think is most amazing about this, I told you about being cut up three times. When he died, there was a funeral. And he wasn't in, he wasn't in Key West anymore, when, obviously, so he died when he, or the funeral. But they said there was a guy who drove up from Key West to the funeral, and he was in a 1948 Ford. This guy is supposedly the man who was supposed to cut the body in three pieces and bury it. And what really happened was he never cut the body up. He never buried it. He brought her back to Von Castle. And that doll that he was found dead with wasn't actually a replica. It was actually Elena herself. But those are all rumors that are circulating that's not the deal. She was buried. They didn't cut her in three pieces. Oh, thank God. Please and leave poor lady alone. Jesus. So that's my happy, early, romantic Valentine story. Well, I don't want you to be that romantic with me. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Just give me uh, one rose and let it be. Wow. That is just some... What an amazing story. And it was just so bizarre how people's minds work. It is. It is. It's. I mean... Somebody like that is is sick. There's yeah. there's no you know you can take all the romance out of it. It's just I mean, somebody how do you like even that. Ration anything like that. You can't. And like I said, this guy actually he's talking about she came to life for a little bit. He's talking about taking her in a stratosphere. And you know, what do you think is going to happen? You can get her up to the stratosphere, and this radiation is going to bring her back to life. With what? She mm-hmm. has no organs left. Yeah. She's stuffed full of rags. I mean, she's got no eyes. She's got. You know, glass eyeballs. It's not like she's going to be able to see. What does he think is going yeah. to happen? He's so this. This is not somebody who's rational. Like, this is somebody who's mentally ill. Mm. But somehow he was found competent to stand trial. Yeah, that's that's messed up. That's so messed up. So I don't know. And and there really wasn't anything else uh, mentioned about his oldest daughter. Yeah, after well, that. I wonder but, what ever happened to her. Um. So I mean, she's probably still alive today. I would I think. Wonder would that be interesting? Well, I mean. I mean, she don't know what she just but knows you know what, what she's read, I guess. But that was that was uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I would think she she would be old, but she's probably still alive today. Yeah. So I wish I thought I'd have looked her up. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could have looked her up. No, she, she would just ignored me. Probably. So I'm, I wouldn't want to claim myself as knowing that person. <laughs> so anyway, guys, that's uh, that's our story for this week. We love you. We love you guys. We and do. like I said, I'm going to post all these pictures. So you can see pictures of the mausoleum. You can see what he looked like. You can look uh, see what she looked like. Go to our Facebook page. I mean, was he at least stories. good looking? No. He wasn't even good looking? No, no. He wasn't horrible, but he Yeah. Yeah. He had that kind of uh, Sean Connery kind of look in his mm-hmm. later years mm-hmm. with the beard and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So she was probably in heaven like, what is this fool doing? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously. Get out of my paper tube. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's just like a bad, bad dream I feel coming on. Yep. So remember, so go to our Facebook page because I'm going to post links to both of those live shows so you can get tickets um, because we haven't mentioned a whole lot on here. So you want to get tickets beforehand and uh, before I forget again, I know the guys from Ohio and Circum. Mysterious circumstances up there. They've been promoting it. We probably haven't held up our end of the bargain. So if you're in the Cincinnati area or the Louisville area and you want to see some good shows live, come see us. Hook yeah, us up. come see us. It's worth ten bucks. Trust me, you'll you'll enjoy it. So, um, well, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. If not, we still got your ten bucks. So. Oh. I'm sorry. That's not the way we look at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way the guys from Ohio look at it. But no, that's, that's not, not the. True. That, no, that's true. That's oh. true. Nick specifically told me that. No, stop no, it. Didn't. You stop before you start crap. <laughs> That's not true, folks. We love we would love to meet you guys, seriously. Yeah, because it's going to be fun. Like I said, we're going to have a, a good, like a half hour of just meet and greet where you get to talk to everybody. And Roosters has awesome food, and we've yeah. got a private room back there. Yeah, it's going to be really in nice. In both of the locations. It's going to be Roosters at both of them. So yeah. They like so us, good. apparently. I hope so. So, guys, we'll see you next week. And, um, have fun and check out our store and see if we got some new stuff. And you too could have your own shower curtain. You too could. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys.